0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 325. Be who you are and say what you feel. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit, with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com Hello automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ruben Verdes. Ruben, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right, great to have you here. Ruben Verdes is the president of the Rolls-Royce Owners Club, known as the RROC. He's also on the board of directors of the Rolls-Royce Foundation, an organization that exists to promote preservation, and historical pursuits, as well as managing a museum exhibiting Rolls-Royce and Bentley automobiles in Pennsylvania. He's a writer and contributes to various enthusiasts and lifestyle publications, and is heavily involved in various annual automotive events that sponsor charities. And when he's not playing with Rolls-Royces, Ruben is an entrepreneur with an international banking background, an automotive historian, a writer, and a believer in the power of charitable endeavors. So, Ruben, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your career and, of course, your passion for Rolls-Royce automobiles?
1: Well, I think this story has probably been told many times by many enthusiasts that talk about growing up and pointing to their fathers as the first enthusiast that influenced them. (laughs) Yes. And my, my father and I used to play a game, and I think this game's been played all over and that's you're out driving and the game is you point to a car and you have to say what it is what year make model and that sort of thing (laughs) cool and I grew up in the I'm from New York I grew up there and one day we're driving around and all of a sudden there's this car goes by. at the time it was a silver cloud I didn't know that I said well dad what's that now, my dad has a special sense of humor, let's put it that way. <laughs> and he's already got his wheels turning. He's going to use this. He starts off by saying, Well, that's a Rolls Royce. He leaves it right there. I say, well, wow, what's a Rolls Royce? He goes, Well, that's an English car and it's made by hand. All right? Takes months to build and no Rolls Royce leaves the factory unless it's perfect. Hmm. Okay, fine. At the time, it was a silver cloud. Probably the most iconic Rolls-Royce, if you tell anybody, picture a Rolls-Royce, they'll probably point to a silver cloud, Yep. the infamous Grey Poupon cars. Oh, yeah. Yes. And inevitably, fast forward, came the question, because at the same time that the silver clouds were around, the Bentley S1 was the counterpart model, because both Bentley and Rolls-Royce, they were made in the same factory. Bentley was acquired by Rolls-Royce in 1931, although today they're separate companies. Mm -hmm. And the inevitable question was, well, Dad, what's the difference between a Rolls-Royce and a Bentley? I'll save the answer to that one because I think I might stun your viewers with my father's (laughs) sense of humor. But the usual answer to that is $400. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) $400. Oh, awesome. The difference
1: between the grills uh, or the radiators.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Silver Cloud, that's the car that my wife Jill and I drove away from the church in almost 31 years ago now. Beautiful car that we uh, were able to borrow and uh, have somebody drive for us and felt pretty special in that vehicle as anybody would in any Rolls-Royce. And you're going to talk more as we move through our conversation here about Rolls-Royce, of course, and your involvement with that wonderful Mark as we continue on our on your journey today, I'd like to start with a success quote. It's some kind of a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars, yeah? So I'll say, Ruben, pass the gray poop on and take the wheel.
1: Well, that, this is difficult because there are so many great quotes out there, and probably a ton of them come from Winston Churchill, mm. and they've probably been used before, but uh, the one that always comes to mind, especially in moments when you have to speak, is one that's attributable to Dr. Seuss. Oh. Be who you are and say what you feel mm. because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind.
0: <laughs> I love that quote. Dr. Seuss grew up in the uh, city I grew up in, La Jolla, just up the hill from us. And uh, of course, oh, you probably know the quote. I <laughs> already love, well, I love Dr. Seuss. You know, I just all the books, of course, when I was a kid. What a great guy. And his uh, involvement in the community where I grew up was pretty grand. But how have you incorporated that quote into your life and your business and your involvement with Rolls Royce?
1: Well, overall, the main message there is you could try to be somebody else. That only lasts a little while. You need to capitalize on something, and you might as well capitalize on yourself mm. and who you are. Try to be genuine. and I think everything flows from that. It's, it's funny because the Rolls Royces and the Bentleys of the world, they're perceived as, yes, very high status items, but believe it or not, in a way, they're very humble because you can own, in fact, the Rolls Royce may very well be the cheapest car you can own. Why? Because you can have one all your life. (laughs) Okay. Think about how many times you buy cars. If you buy a car once every five years, say you buy – well, I'm not going to pick on a car. That would be disparagement. But pick any car. You buy that five times. You start to rival the cost of a Rolls Royce, particularly if you buy a a vintage Rolls Royce.
0: Sure. Oh, I love that. And, you know, you, you hit on something pretty special there, and that is be yourself use who you are to your advantage. Being around car guys, car people, car people can sniff out a non-car guy pretty quick, even if he's trying to pretend that he knows something about the cars, because we're so passionate about these vehicles, and the knowledge is so deep. But um, great quote, great concept. I love that. And You talk about going back to those wonderful days with your father, and and the game you played in the car of, of identifying vehicles. I think that's great. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? I'd love to know about that pivotal moment as you remember it when you really knew you were a car guy.
1: If I were to point to one moment where all coalesced, I would have to say that was for my 16th birthday. At the time in New York, uh, you can get a learner's permit at 16 years of age. Mm -hmm. And I clearly remember my mother asking me, well, what do you want for your 16th birthday? <laughs> and I said, I want to lift to the motor vehicle and I'm driving home. So we went to the motor vehicle. I got my learner's permit because I passed the test without, I mean, why study? You know, all this stuff. <laughs> and I walked out with my learner's permit and I drove home. I never had a driving lesson or anything. Some things you just know you can do. Cool. And, and I don't think that happens with somebody where doesn't, resonate and I think that's probably true not just about cars but whatever uh, a collector gets involved with because there's well speaking of quotes uh, how's this one from Jay Leno that always sticks with me uh-huh. and he was talking about Duesenbergs and I think he was asked a similar question Why do you, what's it, what, what is it with these cars and he said something along the lines of there's a visceral Kind of feel to these cars. Either mm. you get it or you don't. <laughs> yes. And, and I think it, it works on that level. You see it, it makes noise, it stirs your heart and you can go places. I mean, where can you do something like get up in the morning, open a door, get in, and then a few hours later be hundreds of miles away? It's a, it's a great sense of freedom. There's so many things that are intertwined in the whole car move, art, mechanics, adventure. You, you can't do that with, you know, a lot of things.
0: Well, and the people as well, because the people we that's meet. That's the adventure. That's yes, the adventures, is. yeah. The people we meet in and around the car hobby, the car culture, uh, involvement in clubs, forums, and so forth. Just magnificent group of people. That's why I love what I'm doing so much, because I get to meet some pretty cool people every day. Ruben, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. Your main career is in the banking industry. We all know that uh, back in 2008, we had some challenges and maybe that's something you'll share with us. I don't know. But the most important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome that particular situation and what did it teach you? What did you learn from it?
1: Well, there have been several along the way, but they're all characterized by the same thing. I mean, it's a challenge. Uh You face it in business and you're at an impasse. The environment has changed, like the example you cite, uh, the markets have changed. This has happened to me uh several times. And what you have to do is, again, be introspective, think of what matters to you, and try to make a plan. It's always important to make a plan. And like any plan, particularly like just like battle plans, you could throw it out the first day of the battle, <laughs> but it kind of focuses your mind. So you want to try the best you can to make a plan and hone into that focus. And by doing so, you also re-examine, again, what's important to you. I Would probably say that 25 years ago, if you sat me down and said that I would have served as the president of the Rolls Royce Owners Club and I would be writing and doing all the different things that I do in the car world, I guess my reaction would be, well, it kind of fits, but I doubt it. Mm -hmm. And simply because your life can change trajectories and not be so much uh, a force change, just an enhancement. And the car thing has been something that has always been there. It's always been there. And it's kind of like a genetic trait. Sometimes it takes a while to express itself. <laughs>
0: sure.
1: So, yeah. so, so I think it's that focus that um, helps you through any kind of challenge, whether it be in business or in your personal life.
0: Well, is there a a particular instance that happened to you that you can get into a little bit here to help the listeners understand how that focus is is so important? Uh, A big challenge you met, maybe something through the Rolls-Royce Club, through a car ownership, or something that that would tie that concept back into an actual event?
1: Well, one of the big surprises of my involvement in cars is learning its deepest revelation is, yeah, they're cars, but it's really about the people. I know this may sound cliche, but your brain has to be wired a certain way, I think, to be a car enthusiast. <laughs> you have to be optimistic. You can't be a, a, a pessimistic car enthusiast. <laughs> I mean, what do you do when you break down on the side of the road? You kill yourself. <laughs> so depending on what um, what your favorite aspect of the car uh, movement is, whether it's technical or the art of it, it generally points to uh, a certain kind of character. And again, it's it's visceral and it resonates and, and you can draw strength from it. I have a son uh, that's autistic mm-hmm. and he is a car guy. Mm, this is cool. the most amazing thing to me because there's he is... Basically, without the use of language, you cannot engage him in a conversation. Mm -hmm. But yet, I know he's a car guy. How? Even to get a few words out, he'll walk up to me, look at me, and I know that he's stirring something up and he'll just spit out to me, go for a spin. <laughs> and I know what that means. He wants to go out for a ride in the car. Oh yeah. We go to a when we go to um, <clears throat> a car show, and what I mean is like not the not not like a concor, but um, uh, like a cars a car and show.
0: coffee maybe or something like that. Right.
1: So yeah, or or uh, an auto show that's you know commercial. Oh okay. Like Coliseum yeah. or something.
0: Like sure. Yeah, like an international down. auto show. Yes, or, yes, or, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Tongue tied there for a minute. <laughs>
1: he wants to sit in all the cars. Cool. He, he just—that's his thing. Yeah. And I've taken him to plenty of Rolls Royce Owners Club events, and he just connects with it. In fact, in, in the next issue of our magazine, there's a picture of him smiling ear to ear because he's sitting in the back of uh, an early Silver Ghost, and this oh, is cool. in a hundred-year-old car, and and he's you know he gets it. Yeah. Put a lot of people in the back of that car and they'll be like, Oh, I'm sitting in the back of an old car.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He understands. Uh, he gets it. Yeah. So
1: so there's so many ways to connect, and that's the revelation for me. Yeah. Uh you join clubs and you get involved because of the cars, but you stay in them and you keep on because of the people.
0: Absolutely. It is about the people. And thanks for sharing a really personal story with us. I think that's fantastic. It it transcends the car passion that people have, no matter what place they are in life, where they are in life, or where they are in the world, really. Um, So that story about your son is actually so heartwarming and so special. I think that's really wonderful. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a kind of an aha moment in your career or your involvement with Rolls-Royce, of course. And it's one of those times I like to say where the headlights came on and illuminated your way for a new direction or a new idea that you had, and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success.
1: You know, there's, there's so much that's involved in how many different ways you engage the car world. I also, in all of that, never thought that I would end up doing so much writing and really the whole history end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sparking so much interest, and a lot of these marks—not just Rolls Royce and Bentley, uh, obviously—have illustrious histories and very interesting people that were involved along the way, both involved in producing the cars and 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 uh, owning the cars. Mm-hmm. Well, even how these companies got started. Rolls Royce is often called the best car in the world. And it's kind of funny that anybody would call anything the best car in the world. I mean, you don't see the best dishwasher in the world. <laughs> and, and for some reason, people, when they want to say something is the best, they call it the Rolls Royce of whatever it is. Sure. Meanwhile, the guy who designed these cars had, speaking of quotes, a very well-known quote in club circles that goes, whatever is rightly done, however humble, is noble. Mm, yes. And this is like that pursuit of perfection. And we're talking about Henry Royce yes. had a tremendous amount of of influence, obviously, both in the uh, company and how the culture uh, evolved in that company. Another one is take the best of what exists and make it better. When it doesn't exist, design it. And the reason I'm saying this is there's kind of a Don Quixote aspect to this. <laughs> You know, there can't be a perfect car. There can't be, you know, the yeah. You could say the best, but if you're a car maker and you want it to be the best, the best thing to do is say that it is. Right. And and if you're going along those lines, I think that's what appealed to me the most. So I think that this ties into what I was saying before. If if there's an aha moment, it's knowing that it's You want to pursue what's perfect, but nothing is going to be perfect. We live in a world and an existence of contradictions, and you try the best that you can, and everything is a challenge. I can't narrow anything down to an exact aha moment. The best I could tell you is what I've just said about that direction, that almost contradiction, (laughs) that Don Quixote aspect of chasing windmills and thinking that, you know, you could reach the impossible dream and always stay, you know, in focus with what's, what's coming next. Sure. And I think that we often feel that we've reached our best, reached our pinnacle and it's downhill. And um, that, that could never be the case for somebody who's always looking for that next thing that next.
0: challenge. Sure. No, I very familiar with those Rolls Royce quotes. I've had several guests repeat them. And in my previous career, the striving for, for perfection quote was a part of the business mantra that we were involved in. So uh, absolutely understand that. And uh, the awareness is key. How about proudest career moments or proudest moments in your involvement with the Rolls Royce club? Is there one in particular that stands out for you?
1: Well, let's take the club first. Back in 2007, we had a meet in Daytona Beach, which is the Ormond Beach area. Very famous in early automotive history because Daytona and Ormond particularly have a very special beach where they had races and they could actually do high-speed, world-speed record trials. Right. And back in 1907, a lot of people don't know this, but Rolls-Royce has a racing history. Okay, <laughs> uh, Charlie Rolls, he won the Tourist Trophy, and, and he bought a, a four-cylinder, 20-horsepower, very early Rolls-Royce. And he raced it in New York and Yonkers and the Empire Track. And he had it shipped down, and his mechanicians stayed behind and raced it in Roman Beach. Now, the entire production of Rolls-Royce before 1907 was just over 100 cars. Mm -hmm. split between five different models. (laughs) It's not a lot of cars.
0: Pretty rare. Yeah.
1: So, there are only three of these four-cylinder, 20-horsepower cars left on the planet. And one of them was in England. And it was restored to look very much like the vehicle that raced in 1907. And it's owned by a spectacular enthusiast. His name is John Kennedy, Mm -hmm. of all names. (laughs) And... And long story short, it's too long already, but we arranged to have the car shipped and do an entire event around celebrating a 100 years since that car ran on Ormond Beach in 1907. Oh, wow. And we recreated its run, but supplemented with an entire parade of Rolls Royces spanning the entire production history. So we had that car at the lead, running on the beach along with Silver Ghosts, Phantom 1s, Phantom 2s, Phantom 3s, Wraiths, Silver Wraiths, Silver Clouds, everything wow. going along on Ormond Beach. And that we all had uh, just a, a wonderful blast, but it was quite a feat. It took six months <laughs> just Planning. to, deal, yeah. with, oh just to goodness. deal with the car, because think about it. I'm exporting a car from England, and it's not even my car to bring over to an event. Oh, yeah. It was it was quite a bit uh to get it done so that's on the uh club side yeah and i guess in in my banking career there's all sorts of highs i think i enjoyed being uh the chief financial officer of a of a bank in in miami unfortunately it went out of business because you talk about uh hurdles in 2002 um, the argentine market tanked Mm. And had, the bank had a lot of uh, positions with banks in Argentina.
0: Oh, okay. And the
1: and the banks were fine, but there was no way to get anything out of Argentina. Right. So I ended up helping to liquidate the bank. And you learn a lot from that. You talk about an adverse moment. Well, that really focuses you. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and as a, a dichotomy for the time. Right in the middle of that going on, we had a national meet for the Rolls Royce Owners Club, and I heard that I was winning an award for the for the the Florida magazine I I used to be editor of at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and this is uh, I don't know almost fifteen years ago. And again, that those are the sorts of things that uh, focus you. But um, it was very interesting to work. The financial world has many different obviously, many different products' worlds. When you're in a senior position in the bank, it really is both a technical and exhilarating experience. It certainly gives you a lot of perspective when you turn on the evening news and you watch people talk about finances.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I leave the news turned off. (laughs) 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 Wow. Well, You know, amazing stories and wonderful that you'd share those with us. I think it's fantastic. That event, I wish I could have been there. That must have been absolutely spectacular. pictures. (laughs) Pictures. I'm sure we can find those out on the Internet. Let's have a little bit of fun. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a a memory you have with that car.
1: The vehicle I think I enjoyed the most is, along with a business partner, I used to we all talk of ourselves as caretakers of this. I was caretaker for a 1956 Silver Wraith. If you ever saw the movie Arthur with that uh, Yes. Uh-huh. Alton, that very car used to parade around here in Florida and we had a ball with it. Mm. And everywhere that car went, it was a party. These days as time goes on, more and more people don't remember that movie, but in the time that we had the car, it was it was just a blast. Wherever we went, everybody would look at it and go, hey, is that? And we go, yeah, that's,
0: yeah. The- <laughs> that's the car. What <laughs> fun. The-
1: I never got to do one thing. I always wanted to take it up to New York, drive up to the plaza, and fall out of the car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, probably better you didn't these days because that picture would be on the internet everywhere. Probably yeah. wouldn't be a good representation of who you no. really are. No. But uh, it's fun to think about. How about a special vehicle that you let go that you really wish you had back in your garage
1: hmm well <clears throat> that's easy and and actually I came very close to owning it and I decided not to buy it and at the time it was definitely and this is a departure from usual stories you hear about people buying a car that they shouldn't have and it was a disaster I was avoiding disaster I was the voice of reason here. <laughs> and. Um, I I went to see, this is the late 80s, I went to see a car in Staten Island, it was a 190 SL, cream, red interior, beautiful white steering wheel, and it was... All my life I've been a 190 SL enthusiast, because I've always recognized what the car is. A lot of people would say, oh that thing is just so slow. And they would superimpose their impressions of a 300 SL on it. And it's not that car. It's a Boulevard Cruiser. And I would always say to people, you can't get behind the wheel of that car with the top down and drive and not smile. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Boulevard Cruiser. And it's it's just fun, particularly in Florida. So I was very close to finishing the deal. And my deal with the then owner was... I have somebody to come to look the car over mechanically. The guy came, he looked it over, he got under the car, and he takes me a sign. He goes, don't buy this car. It's crushed. I say, why not? He goes, the bottom is about to fall out of it. Yeah. (laughs) And we know these things love to rust. Yeah. So I feel like I've been vindicated in a sense because these days – a 190 SL is kind of a prized item. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. And and being more and more prized as the yeah. uh, rising well, hey, tide of cars has brought yeah, up the values of, especially the 190s, because the 300s are well over a million dollars now. And yeah. Sure? So, yeah. Uh, oh, well. Well, maybe someday we'll get you back in one of those. How about current projects? Is there something you guys are working on at the Rolls Royce Owners Club right now that really has you excited? Well,
1: there are. We're formulating different approaches to recognize our Bentley side more and more. Hmm. Many people don't realize, but there are almost as many Bentleys in the Rolls-Royce Owners Club than Rolls-Royces. Okay. And that's, bec- that's because up until recently, and that's 2003, two, three, uh they were the same company. Both cars were coming out since 1931, since uh that time first in the derby factory then after world war ii crew both rolls royces and bentley had that shared heritage in fact for many years the platforms were the same going back to our earlier joke the only difference was Mm, four hundred dollars four (laughs) hundred dollars exactly so now we're in an era where both marks i could say that the vitality is palatable i mean they're they have their own signature, their own identity. And if you look at it objectively, um, the separation um, makes these two marks vital mm-hmm. uh, and have their own signature. But the reality is for a club like ours that was started in 1951, we grew up and have existed for most of our lives honoring both marks. Mm-hmm. So when you hear Rolls-Royce Owners Club, particularly to the ears of younger folks that are coming into the car enthusiast world believe it or not many don't know that they were the same company so the question becomes you know how do we make the rolls-royce owners club more visible in bentley green as it were <laughs> so so we're exploring that that's a project that's on the way right now and so stay tuned that's uh something that um uh, again, it's going to be more Bentley-focused yeah, and uh, a club within a club, as it were.
0: Oh, I love that idea. I think it's a great idea. It just brings more people together, more enthusiasm, a little bit more diversity in the respects of uh, branching out, if you will, beyond your own specialized mark. So I think it's a great idea.
1: Before we move on, oh, I'll yeah. just mention one quick other thing is – because we're so concentrated on heritage and and, and tradition, mm-hmm. we shudder at the thought of changing our name. But these days, the Rolls-Royce Owners Club is really a misnomer mm-hmm. because you don't have to be an owner <laughs> to be a member oh, of yeah. the Owners Club. Well, it's like an so enthusiast many. club. Yeah, like, like so, so many. many. Yeah. So that, that gets in the way of a lot of people because when they find out, oh, you're the president. And by the way, I'm just recently retired. For just a few days, we had a, a board meeting, and there was a passing of the baton. So there's a okay. new president in town. All right. But, but uh, unfortunately, they only give me a two-year term limit. We might want to consider that for president. Oh, gosh. You know, why did you know
0: I was thinking of that? Yeah. Well, anyway, we won't infuse we won't politics. No, let's not go there. Yep.
1: But that that's that's just it. So I'm often asked, well, you're the president? Wow. How can, the, how, how, can I – can I, I I wish I
0: could join, but I don't have a Rolls Royce. Yeah, right. I said,
1: no, well all you need is, you know, seventy dollars and um
0: A passion. Uh, a passion. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's it. I think that's great that clubs do that that don't require you to own a car because yeah. someday you know, most of us aspire to have these vehicles that we dream about, whether it's a Rolls Royce, a Bentley, a Ferrari, a Maserati, you pick it, whatever it might be. And the opportunity to be involved in a club, contribute your time and effort and expertise and, and learn from others, you'll eventually get there because you'll start to have friends, those friends of friends. And before you know it, they'll know where to steer you, to use a pun, to find the right car, the right vehicle for you. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Ruben. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> Uh, probably
1: the most rational answer to that is a big gas guzzler. A
0: <laughs> <laughs> big gas guzzler.
1: But I'll twist and hijack that question a little bit. I'm often asked, uh, oh, well, you're, you're the president of the Rolls Royce Owners Club. What's your favorite Rolls Royce? And I have no, this is the easiest question for me. A 1905 V8. Mm. And people look at me and they go, what it, well, that's not a Rolls Royce. Well, it was. Among the five different models that I was telling you before that they made, Mm -hmm. they made a V8, 90-degree V8 Rolls-Royce motor car chassis in 1905. And they did that because they wanted to compete with electric cars that were all the rage. (laughs) Why? Because what did the Gentry want? They didn't want cars that smoked smelled and made big loud noises they wanted the electric cars that were completely smooth they didn't go far but <laughs> yeah. just like today they don't make a sound <laughs> yeah so here they have this brilliant engineer henry royce and they say you know let's let's corner the market here let's make a petrol car that's as good as an electric car mm. so they made this horseless carriage and they called it the invisible Hmm. and only made a handful of these. In fact, only three were known to be made. But in a total production of just over 100 cars, that's not too bad. And they called it the Invisible because it was a horseless carriage and you didn't know where the engine was. And of course, it was placed under the driver. And the fun thing about it is it's the only Rolls-Royce without the famous Rolls-Royce grill.
0: Hmm, interesting. Wow. So so Ruben is a 1905 invisible. That's
1: right. And, <laughs> and this gets even funnier because there are no detailed pictures of the car.
0: So it literally is invisible. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, that is a unique answer to that question for sure. So Ruben, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsor. that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state of the art technology from Noco, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at geniuschargers.com. Okay, Ruben, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and you give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. You ready? Shoot. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Be ready
1: to walk away.
0: Ah, great advice. Yes. Be, if, whatever
1: the deal may be, you want it, and this is hard because yeah. sometimes you want that 190 SL. Yep. Sometimes you have to walk away. Be
0: ready to walk. Oh, great advice. And it's real good advice for business as well. Yes, it is. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Being
1: focused and planning what you're going to do and how you organize your work is very helpful. We have a tendency to jump into things, and sometimes you have no choice. You have a deadline, you have to get things done. But planning always helps you identify those things that you probably wouldn't have considered. So,
0: yes. And you said another word there focus. You know, it's a great uh, acronym for focus follow one course until successful. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, great way to think about that. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy?
1: Uh, I mentioned a couple that are. Uh, near and dear, of course, because I'm members of those clubs. But, uh, I love Hemming's website. Mm. Also, uh, Old Cars Weekly. And when you visit these websites, a lot of them now have free newsletters that you can get emails, uh, with updates and offers. You'd be surprised how many of those, uh, come up with really good specials. I, uh, mentioning Old Cars Weekly sometimes they shoot out an email where they give very special offers to buying uh, certain catalogs, books, and price guides and things like that. Sure. So uh, I would check those out.
0: Great resources. How about a book? Is there one book in particular you think the Cars yeah! listeners would really enjoy reading?
1: I'm thinking whoever's listening to me is thinking Rolls-Royce. And if I were to point to one book that I enjoy is one that was put out many years ago by by Mr. Morton it's called The History of Rolls-Royce Volume 1 and it's that very early history and it touches into how the company started and it's addressed in a way that is unique it is just not really gone into depth anywhere else that I've ever seen and mm. it's a history of Rolls-Royce motor cars by C.W. Morton Volume 1 1903 to 1907
0: Perfect, perfect. And I know I have a good friend, Tim, who is a Rolls-Royce fanatic. I've known him since college. His father married my wife and I. And uh, he's probably smiling right now because he goes, yep, I've got that on my library shelf. So
1: I'm going to recommend just one more, but it's not out yet. And it's the book that I'm working on.
0: Oh, and what's that? <laughs> yeah, please do.
1: It's called Rolls-Royce in America by John Webb DeCampi. And that's a book that talks about The American Rolls-Royce. A lot of people don't know that Rolls-Royce had a factory in Springfield, Massachusetts. Mm, The cars were made here, Mm -hmm. and they were bodied here. This edition came out in 1975. So there's a new edition that I'm working on. Still, John was a personal friend of mine. This is a labor of love. I want to make the best book possible. But we're going to add to it, and we're going to fast-forward the history right up until today. So it's going to be a contemporary book but looking back through uh, the Rolls-Royce World in America. Very and cool. And it's going to be put out by Dalton Watson.
0: Oh, great. When will that book be available? Do you have a press date yet?
1: You sound like my publisher. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, hey. don't, I don't have a date yet. Uh, let's just say it's uh, on an ASA, ASAP, ASAP
0: schedule. Okay, I understand. We can't wait yes. for that book. And listeners, you'll find all these great resources and links to them on Ruben's show notes page at carsyad.com. Just put Ruben in the search bar and his page will pop right up. All right, Ruben, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question, to quote another great mark, can be a real doozy. If you can only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'm going to write the check, but you can't sell it. You got to keep it. You got to drive it. You got to have fun with it. What would that one vehicle be and why? Uh,
1: only because it can only be one vehicle and it's a collector car. It's very easy for me. I'd love to have a Type 41 Bugatti Royale. I know it's huge. I know it's completely impractical. But that Binder Sedanka, oh, it's to die for. <laughs> it is just a piece of art that is incredible.
0: Oh, gosh. Well, see, when I buy you that car, and I'm going to have to buy you a bigger garage because you're going to need a big garage to park that. Yes, thing. I
1: think I will. <laughs> oh, my
0: goodness. Well, you're the first one to pick a Royale. Very interesting choice, although I kind of understand being a guy who likes Rolls Royces larger cars but uh wow what a special vehicle you only
1: gave me one choice (laughs) well that's all you get i'm sorry you
0: know i I, again you're my 325th guest i have bought a lot of cars over the last 13 months now uh you know i i've got to uh dip into the real deep savings to buy this one my friend so (laughs) i'll do my best okay (laughs) ruben you've taken me on a great ride i knew you would in a rolls royce today of course And I've really enjoyed your stories and meeting you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Type 41 Bugatti Royale?
1: Well, I'll I'll share something that I'm asked quite frequently. I'm very privileged to know some very good collectors with amazing collections. And sometimes we get into a conversation. They ask me should I show such and such car? I don't know if it's good enough. And my answer is always the same. I say, don't think about it. Sign up, show the car. And the reason for that is people need to see these cars. It becomes real when you see it. A picture is good. A description may make you remember. Remember my V8 car. You can't even see it. So it's out of sight and out of mind. But I always ask them, and when you're there, even if it's for display, don't even have it judged. When a little boy or a little girl comes up to the car, invite them to look inside, let them sit inside. They will tell that story for the rest of their life, and if it all works right, they'll be the next generation of car enthusiasts. Ah,
0: such great advice in so many ways. You know, uh, I just surpassed a milestone here at Cars Yeah a few days ago, show number 300. And I had my son interview me, and in the show we talk about that because he's 21 now. But I've been taking mm-hmm. him to car shows since he was about four years old. Yeah, he's, he's been on the lawn at Pebble Beach 12, 13 times, and I can't tell you how many times somebody plopped him down in a car and he talked about that forever and ever. And of course, he's a car guy. Yeah, like his dad, and so important. Share your vehicles, get them out there, share them with people, talk with people. Help people, And again, with the kids, yes, they will tell that story forever and forever and forever. So great advice. I love that. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the Rolls-Royce Owners Club?
1: Well, the best way is to go on the re- website, RROC, of course, standing for Rolls-Royce Owners Club, RROC.org, and the Society of Automotive Historians. And that's simple, too, autohistory.org. And join a club. Join those, get involved, Uh, you'll meet people and make friendships that'll last you your whole life.
0: Absolutely. And listeners, again, you can find links to everything that Ruben has been so kind to share with us today at carsyad.com slash Ruben Verdes. His last name is spelled V-E-R-D-E-S. Ruben, thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. It's been such fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Oh, my God.